Well, good morning. I'm just kind of looking around. I won't be here. So if you want to listen to me preach, um, don't come Sunday morning. If you come Sunday morning, um, bring some breakfast. But, you know, today, I, I believe this is, the church has got an opportunity, but your life also has an opportunity. When uh, there's a dynamic in the kingdom of God that religion separates um, what we do on a Sunday or a Saturday from your daily life. God never separated the kingdom from what you eat, what you wear, whatever you do. They are totally, that, totally meshed up. See, religion will teach you, are you okay if you die tonight that you'll be with Jesus? That's what religion does. And it's good at it. Okay, it can be said, you can sit down, sit down. See, religion focuses on this. Get you saved. Make sure if you die that you go to heaven. When I was, there, when, when I was growing up, it was all about the rapture practice. Rapture practice was Jesus can come at any time, and if you're not ready, you're going to get left behind. Make sure that you've got a left behind pack. So how do you survive? So, so what church did was it got you, uh, it trained you so that you know what to do when you die. But you know what Jesus did? Jesus came and he started to preach the kingdom. And the kingdom teaches you how to live right now. Religion wants to take you to heaven. The kingdom wants you to be effective right now. So therefore it means this. That when God says, I am a king, and you are my children, and then he doesn't say that you are my servants. You know what Jesus made something, absolutely a radical comment. He says, I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. Because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing. A servant takes orders. So Jesus didn't come to take us just to heaven. He's preparing a place for heaven. But he wants us to rule right now. So you cannot ever separate yourself from the church, the body, and then your personal life. The mistake that is made is this. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom, and then all these things will be added to you. Religion reverses it. How can I get my life right? And church, being a part of an effective body that changes the community, is always on the last. But can, let, let me talk to some of you wives. And how many times do you, you know what? I, I, I was part of that. You're thinking, I'm a husband. Man, I want to be successful in business. I want to do that. And because I, that, that's my whole life. And then I go to my family. Come on. We think career outside, then my career blesses my family. God turns it right on the end and he says this, if you put me first, Everything else that everybody else is looking for, I'll give you. Now, as we move, as a, as a church, we've been knocking on doors. We've been uh, trying to hire this venue permanently. We've we've done everything, and we've been knocking on doors. 
And then two weeks ago, God opened up a door for us. Now, I want you to understand something. The whole thing is a huge door of opportunity for good has opened up here. But I want to show you something now. With every opportunity, there's an obstacle. Jesus goes to the children of Israel. I get this right. He takes them out of Egypt, says, there's the promised land. Yay! Our problem. There are people that think they own the land. Jesus, can't you just kind of... But God says this. See, you, you good? If you, people talk about the Antichrist, right? The Antichrist can only be there because there is a Christ. Where there is no Christ, the Antichrist doesn't come. Where there is no presence of God, the enemy doesn't come. So every time, see, it works like this. Every time you want to step out in faith, guess who comes? All your doubt friends. Oh, you know what? Hey, hey, you know, hey, we're moving church to Saturday night. No one goes to church on Saturday night. But the, the Saturday night football. But then they, there are apps that can fix that. See, I believe some of the apps are designed by Christians. I like sport. You know what I did one? This is how much I like sport. Um, how many of you understand cricket? Put your hand up if you, if you understand. Okay, all the rest of you can go to sleep right now. I'm going to talk to you. I love watching cricket. I remember Sylvia, Sylvia she needed some powerful medicine after we got married. Is because I said to her, hey, honey, it's summertime, and England's coming over, and we're going to have, I'm going to watch the cricket. She goes, good. And she goes, what day? Well, from Monday to Friday. She, no, no, no. She goes, no, no. no that's how you do it. So, okay. And then one time we had a day and night match, right? So I, I took the big screen television, put it in our ensuite, filled up the spa, got my food and drink, and sat in there from 2 o'clock till 10.30. <laughs> now, why am I telling that? Now, see, with every, you know, but now if I miss it, right, I've got an app on my Apple TV. And I can go from like live. See, one of the things that happens, every time you want to step out in faith, we think this, that faith is the absence of doubt. No, faith is the ignorance of doubt. Where I choose to ignore the doubt. So when we start to think about opportunity, that is why there's been so many lost opportunities it is because somebody else comes up, it goes, that not work. I was reading this story of this shoe salesman. You know, he lands in a Polynesian island, and then he looks at it, and no one's wearing shoes, and he's a shoe salesman. And another shoe salesman comes up, and he, ring, and he goes, oh, no, look at this. He rings his office up and says, you need, we need another country. No one wears shoes. The other one rings up, hey, great opportunity. No one wears shoes. See, opportunities, every God-given opportunity is always tried to be masked by the enemy. Because I want you to notice this. If the kingdom of God increases every time an opportunity is realized and acted on. See, every time you ask God for a car park and he gives you one, the kingdom of God increases. 
Every time you get a contract, the kingdom of God increases. Every time you don't get angry with the person that's cut in front of you, the kingdom of God increases. For me, it was decreasing a lot, but now it's increasing. But see, what, what, one of the things that we have to understand is that moving in the kingdom, because people go, I want to move in the spirit. In the spirit goes like this. The spiritual realm is when doubt comes up and says you can't do it. Faith says take a step, and then you move. The kingdom of God is increasing. See, your spiritual knowledge and your spiritual strength increases when you act upon an opportunity. Listen to this, right? A huge door of opportunity for good has opened up here. This is where the scripture comes from. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, in the Passion Translation, there is an amazing door of opportunity standing wide open for me to minister here, even though there are many who oppose and stand against me. So here's Paul saying God has opened up an opportunity. I knocked and it opened, but there are those that oppose. The opposition is not an indicator that you don't hear God. Opposition is not an indicator that you're not prepared for it. And you know what? One of the things is this. Let me show you a God-given door. Every time God gives you an open door, you feel like you're not qualified. We haven't got the stuff. It could be the wrong timing. It could be this. Come on. God never opens up a door that says, hey, this is going to be easy. You don't have to do that. God opens the door and you go, oh, I don't know if we can do it. You know, I told some of my friends, we're moving Saturday night. And he goes, why? He goes, people, people won't come to church on Saturday night. I go, who told you that? Statistics. How did you get those statistics? I read it in a book. Well, who wrote the book? I don't know. So when they say statistics, have you ever heard these statistics? Every Australian doesn't believe in Jesus. How many people did you interview? Two. You know, we get these marriage statistics. One, you know, 10 out of 5 marriages end up in divorce. Well, where did you get those statistics? No one ever rang me up. You know, you see, one of the things we do with statistics is we take a thousand people and we presume that everybody else thinks the same. Gee, look, put it this way. Jesus came in to a time where it wasn't convenient for the master to come. One of the things that opportunities do is they go in, maybe it's not convenient, maybe it's not convenient. See, what happens is this, is the way you've got to take an opportunity is action. One of the kingdom principles is this. Look at Mark 16, 19, and 20. Then the master Jesus, after briefing them, was taken to heaven, and he sat down beside God in a place of honor. I want you to watch this now. The visible Jesus leads. But the spirit of Jesus remains. So if you want to talk about an opportunity, the disciples grew up in seeing the physical body of Jesus and they could literally walk in the master's footprints. So the word disciple means that you have the dust of the master on you. So in one sense, 
when Jesus was on earth, I could physically know, oh, he's going direction. Okay, he's going to the city. Indicate going to the city. Follow him. Then Jesus leaves. So there is a visual gap now that is vacant. Because people want to be visually led. They want to see something. They want to feel something. They want to follow it. And then Jesus, they go, well, you know what? We followed Jesus. What did we see? When we followed the physical Jesus, we saw the miracles. We saw provision. Peter goes, well, when we were financially down, I took a gold piece out of a fish. We fed 20,000 people with two fish and five loaves. And every, you know what? The Jesus had over 120 people following him on his staff, and none of them were working full time. So all of a sudden, Jesus, he was the very source, the very source, the very source. And so they got used to following. So what did Jesus do? Physically, Jesus gave them the true north. He says, this is the way that you are to walk. So Jesus is there walking, they're following, and the way we follow Jesus is in his teaching. And then he gets taken up. You would think, see, when Jesus died, there was a huge party among the Pharisees. They just go, the visible Jesus is gone. So you read in the scripture so many times, when somebody was sick, what did they do? Let's find out where Jesus is physically. And so then they would get healed. But then he leaves. Now watch, let's keep going. And the disciples... In the place of one. And the disciples went everywhere preaching. The master working with them, validating the message with indisputable evidence. I want you to notice this. When Jesus was physically there, they were walking. Miracles were happening. Jesus now leaves and he says this. If you keep on going, I'll keep on doing the miracles. If you keep on following. So what what we have here is that I am used to seeing Jesus physically. And now he's gone. So what do I do? I keep on walking the way I'm walking. So all of a sudden, now watch this. This This is the amazing supernatural Opportunity, because God does this. This is what happens when Jesus left. The Father did talk to Jesus. He spoke what He Father said, and He did what the Father wanted. So the miracles were happening through Jesus, not the disciples. The disciples were cheerleaders. The disciples were students. The disciples took notes. They go, man, this is how to live. The live of the provision. But now when the physical manifestation of the body of Jesus was no longer there, they told them this, now go. What was the pressure? When you have that in uh, Matthew 28 and all of them, Jesus says, go into all the world. Why did he have to say go? Why do we tell our kids to go to school? They, They didn't pick it. My kids never said, woke me up, Dad, I need to go to school. My kids were great at excuses. Dad, Jesus is coming back. I'm wasting my time going to school. 
Uh, I can't go to school. Why? Because somebody swears there. We can't go to school because, Mom, I want to spend time in your presence. Go! Because you know what? Within us, the sin nature is to stay stationary. The sin nature says, now you're saved. Now you're going to heaven. You got your financial needs met. Stay where you are. See, the pressure that comes upon us is to remain stationary. Well, all my needs are met. I, I, I shared this story before. We had a young couple join the, wanted to join the church until um, they heard me preach on giving. And so they met me and they told me in a very few words that they were not really keen on what I said. And being pastoral, I said, Jesus opened up. Anyway, it came like this. So I, said to, I asked him this question. He goes, are your financial needs met? He goes, yes. Do you own your house? Yes. Then I said this to him, but what about the person standing next to you? Well, what about somebody else? Have you ever thought of sponsoring a church? No. Have you ever thought about, you know, saving kids from the sex trade? No. Have you ever thought going to a disadvantaged community and finding the people that have got the giftings to go to uni, paying for them? No. See, what happens is this, is the moment your needs are met, you feel satisfied, you become stationary. That's why people, you know what, this is, I've talked to pastors, this, the moment the church is increasing and they need help, people disappear. The moment the church gets its own building, everything's comfortable, people come back. So when they have to go, oh, Jesus has called me to stay. And then when the going makes the doing and the doing makes it comfortable, oh, God's called me to join in your doing. Okay. I'm getting somewhere with this. So as they go, Jesus says, go. Now, I want you to notice something. The miracle stopped when Jesus was removed. The miracle started as they went. Not as they sang, not as they, oh, that'll be a good thing to do. But the Bible says this, that as you take a step, I will validate you. As you take the step, I do it. As you give, I will multiply. Now, we're coming close to the landing here. Uh, we haven't got time for this, but we'll, uh, I'll, if the Lord wills, we'll do it another time. In 2 Kings chapter 7, there's a, there's a huge thing that happened in our history, our history. Can, can I take you up to another level? Is, can I borrow your Bible? Sorry. When you, when you get the Bible, um, I remember in my Bible, uh, for the first time I took the family Bible out, and I had a look at all the, then I realized I had two brothers that were in our household that went to be with the Lord at a young age. I never knew that until I started to read the family history. So-and-so, so-and-so. See, when you, get, when you are born again, you're given a heritage. Silver, Pastor Silver mentioned it. Your heritage is this. It's yours. This is my history. Some, what we've done wrong is when you take the Old Testament out, you lose all the, all the, all the wealth. So now... My heritage is in Genesis 1, 
and all the way up. So I get my heritage. This is my history, my history, my history. Let me give you a family history lesson. In 2 Kings 7, there is a siege on Israel, and the enemy surrounds Israel. And what they did is they stopped the supply. See, once you stop a supply, it's a gradual thing. So what happens is this. When the enemy cannot penetrate the walls, it cannot break down your walls, it stops the supply. So it stops the supply of water, stops the supply of this. You, you, you can see it in your life. Have you ever been to a point where everybody stops encouraging you? Have you been to a place where everything that you were used to all of a sudden dries up? I used to do that well, it doesn't work. I tried, I'm, keep, I'm doing the same thing, but I'm getting a different result. So what you have is you've got a nation called by God. They've got priests, they've got prophets in there. And, and they're going, and there is a siege. And it's got to a point where women were eating the afterbirth of their babies. I mean, we are, we're not just talking poverty. We are talking cannibalism. And everybody has given up hope. The leader, the king has given up hope. But you get these four lepers. Now, these lepers... Number one, they were, they were so disadvantaged that they couldn't go into the city and be disadvantaged. You know when you're poor, when, when you go, um, you know what, uh, we're not even poor enough to be poor. I mean, they are totally asked. So what, what they got is the, the poverty doesn't want them because they're so bad. They look up, the enemy that's surrounding them doesn't want them, and they're sitting there and they're ready to die. They're just going, well, did I? And then one of them comes up and makes this decision. Why are we sitting down waiting to die? I, I, was, uh, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine, and we were just talking about tough times. And I said to him, yeah, I've got this sermon that I don't want to preach yet. And the sermon was, I have fallen down and I don't want to get up. And he looked at me and he goes, oh, Ted, if you preach that, you're going to have so many people that will want to listen to it. Because sometimes, you, sometimes you, you, you hit rock bottom and you go, I don't want to get up. I don't want to say I'm sorry. I don't want to start again. I, I just want to be left alone and let me die. But these four lepers said, We've got a couple of options. See, you've always got options. You've always got options. That's why the Bible says, choose you this day. Do you know what makes you a spiritual being? Because you're made after the image of God, and God always has a choice. So that means you have a choice. Did you realize that freedom is a choice? Do you realize peace of mind is a choice? I choose to be righteous. I choose to be handsome. Okay, while you're all laughing, 
Father, right now, these people need healing. They, I don't, but see, it's a choice. And you know what they do? They just go, if we stay here and die, it's a slow, long process. If we go into the enemy's camp, it'll be quicker. And I go, so what have we got to lose? If we stay here, we die. If we go there, ask for food, and they kill us, we're going to die anyway. But you know what they did? They actually got up, and they started to walk. And I could see them talking, because um, do you want a quick death, or what, what, stabbing, hanging, what's going to happen to us? I don't know. But I tell you what, I don't want to die here. I don't want to die at poverty's door. I, I don't want to die here. So they started walking. And as they're walking, one of them goes, oh, something happening here. The tents are here. The wealth is here. The weaponry is here. The food is here. Everything that we lack was in the enemy's camp. You know what happens? When a siege happens, there is a mentality that that whoever got the siege is so strong. But you see, when God opens up an opportunity, that means he's already defeated the enemy, but you've got to get up and have a look. You get? So what the enemy does, it's over. Your marriage is over. Your finances are over. Your career is over. Your relationships are over. You haven't got this. But God says this, I've gone ahead of you. I have defeated the enemy, but you've got to get up and move. See, it, it works like this as well. The Bible says, by his stripes we were healed. But unless I step out into the word, I still stay sick. The Bible says, let the poor say I am rich. Oh, yeah, but Ted, that's lying. No, no, no. When I say I'm poor, I know that I'm poor. I'm not making it up. But God says this, if you stay in the position you are now and don't walk in through the opportunity, you, won't get, you will not see the victory. So Faith Life Church, we've been under a siege. Come on. You, we, we, we've, we've been all through this together. And now God is opening the door. When God first said, when we first got the opportunity for Saturday night, I said, is there another option? Come on. You, know, you get all of these things and people coming up and go, oh, I don't know. But then God says, look, if you stay, you're going to miss it. So as a church, we're going to be the first Saturday night church at Point Cook. We were the first a while ago, but now we're going to be the second again to be the first. But, but this is it. But if we don't see it as an opportunity, if we don't see it as the voice of God calling us, if we don't go, God, you have prepared a blessing for me. You have prepared something that I cannot see here. You know, so many times you realize it's in the going. When the 10 lepers came to Jesus, he says, go and wash. No, 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 Jesus, you got, we, we, you've missed it somewhere. He goes, I want it my way. And God says, no. The Bible says, as they. See, what the things, what we do, the natural mind says, when I see it, I will step on it. But if I don't see it, I'll stand stationary. 
your mind's got, see, that, that's why you've got to keep renewing your mind. Therefore, my mind doesn't stay stationary. Every time you get, you, when you stop expanding, you know what's interesting with trees? The moment a tree stops growing, it starts dying. Okay, can we take this to another really big level? Um, God has no beginning. Can we agree on this? God has no end. So when do you ever graduate from understanding God? Come on, just think about this. The ignorance of sin saying, I've got enough of God. I know everything there is to know. Wow. Um, relationships here. The moment I go, I understand Sylvie completely. I don't need to talk to her anymore. Is that the moment I start to sleep alone? I, I, I'm going to have to get my own, yeah, everything. Because she's changing. This woman changes every second. So, oh, I'm being serious, right? What do you want to eat? Oh, let's eat Thai. I'm, I'm driving to get to Thai. She goes, Why are we doing here? I want to Kentucky. Okay, okay, they're going to Kentucky. He goes, but then I go, where do you want to go? She goes, that was five minutes ago. Come on, Ted, keep up. <laughs> so, so you know what, see what we do with Jesus is we, we get stationary. I know, you know, people go, I know that I'm going to go to heaven if I die. What are you doing? I'm waiting to die. Please leave me alone. See, I grew up in church where we sang more about waiting for Jesus to come to rescue us than by ruling and reigning. I was absolutely floored when I realized that you can rule and reign in life. I thought it was when I die and I'll be, I'll be somebody when I die. Listen to me carefully. If you are nobody now and when you die, you're not going to be anybody. Because the same person that dies goes up. So if you're depressed now, <laughs> anyway, we won't go there. Won't so you know what? So what we're going to do as a church, we're going to take a step of faith. But you also need to start taking steps of faith. Who are you going to invite? Who are you going to pray for? How many, let, let, let me ask you a question. How many people do you want to see healed? How many people do you want to see delivered? Hey, wouldn't this be really good? I am, I am not praying that Faith Life Church becomes the biggest church at Point Cook in Melbourne. You know what I'm praying for? I'm praying for we as a group of believers become more influential. With influence comes growth, not growth from influence. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to start, I want you to start to step out. I want you to start to step out in your thinking. I want to just go, God, what we want to do is we're going to be salt and light. So we're going right in the hub where everything happens. We are going to be in the building where we're going to start feeding 200 people with hot meals. So we're going to the source where people are going to be naturally fed. But also what I'm believing for is there's always a residue of the Holy Spirit where every time they meet. I want you to show this. A, a prophet died 
and he, he only had the bones. But threw a dead man on him. The moment he touched the bones, there was enough residue of the Holy Spirit in the bones that made the man live. So what I'm praying for is when we get to these places, that on Monday morning or Sunday, whoever is there, they will walk in and go, the presence of Jesus has been in this place. I'm believing for amazing things. You good? But it won't happen until you step out. It won't happen until you step out. You know what we're going to do? We're going to finish the meeting. But I want to show you this next scripture. Look at 2 Corinthians. We're going to do a miracle offering. 2 Corinthians 9.10. And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing increase. Now, I want you to do this. When people have used this verse, it's always been in conjunction with money. But listen to what it says. That your fruits will increase of righteousness. So when people are just going, oh, Ted, this is one of those where you give and you get. The Bible says this. I want you to notice what it is. He talks about giving and the increase of your righteousness, and he puts a connection together. See, one of the things, outside of the kingdom, we do investing. That I invest and then I get. But the Bible says this, is that not only there's a spiritual element to this, but there's going to be the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself, watch this, in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Wow. Think about this. When you give your tithes and offering as you did, not only is there an increase in the finances, but there's an increase in your righteousness. Now, do you mean, now watch this, now watch this. Ted, do you mean that you become more righteous? No, what happens is this, is that I get to see what's given to me, but not only that, is when I get to see what's given to me, it goes to somebody else. See, every time you realize who you are, you're going to have influence greater on somebody else. And what I want to do today is the last meeting as we got in seasons five, because we're going to season six. <laughs> and, and the catch, you know what? The catch cry that Saul, uh, oh, sorry, excuse me, Pastor Saul, <laughs> is, you know, come as a friend, leave as a family. Because we're believing that we are going to join people to the God, the Father. And once you become Father, you become family. We're going to go in there and we're going to bring friends. But they're going to leave as part of the family. But let me read it to you again. And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Okay, I'll, I'll close on this. I was speaking to a, to a pastor um, last weekend, and um, they do, and, and they're a, a prosperous church, they're a great church, and they, they were feeding, and they got to a point before COVID, um, they were feeding like 200 people every week. 
during the peak of COVID, they were, uh, were doing, I think, 2,500 2, meals a week. So they rang up the government. And I said to them, look, can we just uh, bring something to your attention? But because there's a need in the community. The government go, oh, no. A church don't want to complain. So the minister came out, and he said to them, I'm going to give you five minutes. And the first thing the minister said to my pastor friend, man, well, what do you want? He goes, no, we don't want anything. We just want to let you know, because you're, you live 15 minutes from the church, this is what a local church does in the community. And he just said, you're kidding. He says, you feed two and a half thousand people a week? He goes, yeah, plus we're planning to do more. And he goes, I didn't realize churches were like that. But you know what that did? It changed the restrictions that the churches could meet under COVID. We know what that was, what was influenced? What, where did that influence come from? It came from a church that said, hey, the fruit of our righteousness is to give. And so they got into the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of generosity, and they said, God put us right dead smack in the middle. And God's putting us dead smack in the middle of Point Cook. And do you realize that Point Cook is a prosperous suburb with poor people in it? <laughs> and I believe Faith Life Church is going to be an answer. We're not, the, we're not the only answer, but we're a part of it. So what we want to do is we want to do a miracle offering. Okay, the miracle offering started yesterday. We were donated a van, right, with the maintenance and all of that to t keep taking our gear. So it's already started, right? Come on. But what we want to do, I... Pastor Silva and I, we want to sow into it. We're going to leave everybody up. So if there's a couple of ways to give, the ushers are all ready. But we want to sow into our season six. We want to sow into making an impact in the community. Because I believe Faith Life days, are, the best days are still ahead of us. The, all the promises of God. But what we're doing is this. When I was praying about this, God said to me, Ted, you need to do something tangible in your going. So why don't we just bow, just bow your heads for a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, Father, we believe.